everybody. Welcome to the Spring Hills podcast. We're so glad you could join us today. We're going to talk about uh, all things Easter. We've got Garrett Elliott, who's our host and worship leader at Spring Hills. We have John Knapp, who's associate pastor, does all things teaching and students and many other things. And then also yours truly, Brett Albuquitas. Let me turn it over to Garrett Elliott. All right. That's the first time I've let anybody else do the welcome. I think that was really podcast. good. Brett, you did great. You're better than me. You're hired. It. You're natural. <laughs> a natural. Today, we're going to be talking about Easter, like Brett had mentioned. Just to give you an idea of the different things going on this week, it's called Passion Week. So there's a few different events that we're going to uh, we're gonna highlight, talk about the meaning the importance, the significance of those different events. So uh, first of all, Brett, before we get started, though, this is now the, uh, if my math is right, the 31st Easter yeah, of Spring this Hills Church? Yeah, the first one was in 1992, 31 years ago. So we did the big 30-year anniversary last year celebration. Um, what is different from Spring Hill? Oh, and I, as I always mentioned, the screaming in the background is the children from Spring Hills Christian School at recess or lunchtime today. That are having a fantastic, great time. And as Jim Sweeney put it last week on the podcast, that just means that there is joy on this campus. So that's what we're <laughs> going to go with. Um, yes, the kids are having a great time out there at lunchtime. So the screaming, don't worry about it. <laughs> we're going to just move on. So, um, Brett, difference between year one at Spring Hills Easter to now? Well, a lot of things are the same. I mean, of course, we'll be talking about the resurrection and... Um, so all hands on deck. It's going to be an exciting day. It'll be a high attendance day. What's different uh, is the number of people. I think that first Easter we had 100 people. Which that was the first, was first, e- first yeah. service ever, right? Yeah, first service ever. Were you preaching in an, in an Easter bunny costume too? No, I didn't preach in it, but oh. we we did put an ad in the paper. You led with worship me. in it though. Yeah, <laughs> we had an ad in the paper with me and an Easter bunny, and yeah. the, the caption was, "What does this guy know about Easter?" <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> uh, about a hundred people came. We'll have this coming weekend, Lord willing, uh, we'll have probably close to four thousand people. Throughout Good Friday and Easter. We've got a lot of different things happening this week. It is Passion Week. Let's start. We just had Palm Sunday, um, and Brett, you you had mentioned, we did Missions Week, and we had mentioned that it's Passion Week, and um, let's talk about Palm Sunday, though. Let's start the significance of it. What is Palm Sunday? If someone may not know exactly what that means, um, let's talk about Palm Sunday. Yeah, it's a uh, it's when Jesus comes into Jerusalem on a donkey, fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah nine nine. Talks about Zechariah, five hundred years before Christ came, prophesied that your king would come to you riding on the foal of a donkey. Jesus comes into Jerusalem on a donkey. People throw palm branches down. Uh, sort of like a red carpet, I guess. And, um, and so it's the presentation of the king a week before he's crucified. Um, people are singing, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, you know, God saves. So it's a, it's a beautiful picture of the king coming, but a different picture because there's no army, military, guard. Uh, he's not on a you know, a horse, he's on a, a gentle donkey. Yeah, a lot of people thought that he would come as like a, a warrior, right? Yeah, like a military yeah. uh, person to throw the Romans out. Instead, he comes An gentle. victory, yeah. And uh, so Palm Sunday just celebrates that day. And then that begins Passion Week, which is the, mm-hmm. just a way of saying the final week of Jesus' life. Yeah, because then on Wednesday of this week, I guess traditionally in the, in the thing, it would be Judas betrays Jesus. And then... Thursday, they have the Last Supper, and yeah. then yeah. Friday, Jesus dies, right? Jesus crucified, and then he's buried, and Saturday, Sunday, he's rose from the dead, you know, so. 
Now we have. We, are you gonna? We have first Wednesday this week. Are we? Are you talking anything about that? I'm going to take an upper room discourse uh, okay. part of it from John chapter 14, which would have been Thursday night. And what would we call that? Uh, Monday, something Thursday? Mon- Monday, Monday, Thursday. Monday, Monday. When Jesus uh, washes the disciples' feet mm-hmm. uh, in the upper room. I'll touch on that uh, for this first Wednesday. But, yeah, this first first Wednesday will be part of Passion Week. Yeah, so come Nacho Bar, too, apparently on first Wednesday. That's what we're doing, right? Yeah. Let's celebrate. Yeah, Nacho Bar. Uh, first Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. Um, is when we're going to start hanging out, and then 7 p.m. is our is our uh, um, service. So uh, let's talk a little bit about um, uh, specifically Good Friday. So what is Good Friday, the significance of the crucifixion? Yeah, so Good Friday is the day that, you know, Jesus Jesus died on the cross for our sins. It's the day that, you know, he, you know, breathed his last breath there on the cross where, you know, Jesus says those uh, famous words, you know, it is finished. And uh, there is uh, this amazing uh, moment of Jesus' sacrifice being, you know, uh, worthy and accepted by uh, God as uh, atonement for the sins of the world. And so uh, we call it Good Friday, um, not because uh, necessarily it's good that, you know, someone died, but because of the significance of Jesus' death and what it means for us, it's for our good that Jesus died for us on the cross. He did what we couldn't do for ourselves. And so the goodness that comes out of it is really for the world, that uh, we are saved through Jesus' blood, through his body, you know, um, and through, um, you know, the the cross. So and you, Brett, you mentioned, or no, John, you mentioned Judas betraying uh, on Wednesday. The We go from Palm Sunday where people are celebrating Jesus coming in, and then Friday he's being crucified. What happens between that time uh, that makes such a turn of events? Yeah, yeah. So you have with uh, the with Palm Sunday, everybody's celebrating, singing Hosanna, and then by the end of the week, they are yelling to Pilate, crucify him. Now, in the gospel record, it says that the religious leaders stirred them up. Uh, However, how they stirred them up, I don't know. Um, but certainly, you know, he wasn't the Jesus that they had hoped for. Uh, they really were looking, as we said earlier, for a military mm-hmm. leader. That was their expectation from the Old Testament prophets, that the kingdom, uh, the Jewish kingdom, would begin with the Messiah then, right then. Mm-hmm. Like, bring in the kingdom. And, of course, um, God's plan was to bring in the kingdom spiritually through people entering it through conversion and faith in Christ and then have the coming kingdom be later on when Christ returns. So perhaps disillusionment was part of it. Being stirred up by the religious leaders was certainly another part of it. Yeah, and and Good Friday service is going to be a lot different than, you know, uh, an Easter Sunday or Saturday night Easter service. A lot more somber. A lot more somber. I mean, because you're focusing in on the the fact that, that there was... There was suffering uh, that Jesus took on our behalf. I mean, the you you go through the whole, you know, timeline of what Jesus Jesus experienced from the very beginning of being arrested and betrayed by those close to him, right, by Judas with a kiss, you know, this, and, and then from there, um, falsely accused and then beaten and then whipped and then you know flogged and carrying this cross, uh, you know, up a hill and you know, nailed to the cross, and for the amount of time he was hanging there on the cross, I mean, it was, 
it was a suffering he did on our behalf. Mm-hmm. And so it, it very much is a focus in on what he did out of his deep love for us and obedience to the Father uh, to take this cup and to drink it for us. You know, At my uh, young adults group the other night, someone asked, the, or a couple of weeks ago, someone asked the question, why did it have to be Jesus? Why did it have to be God's son? Mm. That's a good question. Um, yeah, wow. Good why theological Brett, question right there. Why couldn't you die for my sins? Yeah, so the answer to that is because um, at the cross, Jesus Christ, who was fully man and fully God, gave his life. So he gives his life representing man and representing God. Mm-hmm. To be the atoning sacrifice for our sins, Jesus Christ had to be perfect. And this all gets back to the character and attributes of God. God is holy. He is without sin. Uh, sin repulses God. He is um, He is just. And so for our sins to be forgiven, uh, we have to, it, it has to, the sacrifice has to satisfy God's character and nature of holiness and justice. And the only way to do that Uh, was for the eternal Son of God to become human, live a perfect life, represent us, the second Adam. Mm -hmm. And then also to, Jesus never lost his divinity. He Mm -hmm. was two natures in one person. And so at the cross, he represents us in his humanity and God in his divinity and becomes uh, that perfect Savior. No one else could do it because we're all sinners. Um, Mm -hmm. And also, we have just exclusively a human nature. We don't have a divine nature. So, yeah, yeah good. Ver- that's a great theological question. Yeah, two verses question. In, in Romans that um, that we, we pointed to that night when we were talking about it is, is Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short, and then 6.23, the wages of sin is death. And that's pointing to um, what the penalty, the punishment for sin is, is death. And ever since Adam disobeyed in the garden, we've all been born sinners. We're we've sinned against God. So yeah, yeah go ahead, John. That, that would just be the, the precious nature of, of Jesus blood. You know, yeah. you see, we sing those songs about the, the precious blood of Christ. And so it's just, it's a, it's, it's different. I mean, it, it's because of his nature that he was the only way in which the sin of the world could be atoned for through the satisfaction of um, appeasing the wrath of God. Yeah. Now, also another question that's come up in the past is talking about Peter and him denying Jesus. Why would Peter deny Jesus? And then we also know that that Peter, it plays a pretty significant role in the history of the church as well. So we've got somebody who on the night that Jesus was being, uh, was arrested and was going to be crucified, people are saying, you're a follow, you're one of his followers, aren't you? And no, 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 I'm not. So let's talk about Peter's denial. What significance can we learn from that? Well, and it was apparently, uh, one of the denials, as I recall, was from just a young girl. So it's like, Peter, you were so bold, uh, you know, in the upper room when you said, I'll die with you, yeah. Jesus. Well, Peter's the one that walks out you. on the water, and he's he's yeah. he's kind of the first to jump in. And he is so confident uh, that he would defend Jesus the night before, but then when he gets into the, you know— into uh, the scene of Jesus, yeah, and he can it. hear what's going on too. Apparently, he can they're questioning Jesus, they're hitting him, they're they're spitting on him. All that the Roman soldiers and and uh, the followers of Caiaphas, the high priest, what they were doing, Peter could hear it. So because he was right outside, and in John's or in um, I think I can't remember now if it's Luke's gospel says that 
at one point Jesus turned and looked at Peter after the third and denial. They caught, so eye. they caught eyes. Yeah. yeah. So, um, oh man. <laughs> yeah. So he's hearing all this, and and uh, I had a seminary and professor, a uh, seminary and prof- I had a professor in seminary. That's what I want to say. Gotcha. A professor in seminary who said that uh, whenever you say, "Lord, you can count on me," mm. you're about ready to step on a spiritual banana peel. Oh my gosh! And, well, uh, and I, I, I can identify with Peter too, because there are moments in my own life where you know I'm in prayer or I'm just very adamant about you know I want you to be bold for you, God. I want to be courageous. I want to be with you to the end. And man, I have moments where I'm a lot like Peter, where I said one thing, but now my actions and my fears and my worries are all coming into play. And so, I mean, I can identify with Peter in a lot of ways that his his heart was in the right place, but at the same time, I mean, our flesh just leaves us wanting to be I mean, able to do more. Have you ever said to God, I'll never do that oh. again? Maybe once or twice. <laughs> once or twice. It's like, yeah. and now I say, but by the grace of God, or I say a lot, if the Lord wills, yeah, we will have an Easter service this weekend. If yeah. the Lord wills, you know, I mean, it's like, um, yeah, it, it's a recognition of God's sovereignty and the need for his power and grace. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Peter sort of lost sight of that, but you know, then Peter becomes after the resurrection, a real champion for the faith. And it's Peter in his letters that talks about humility, just about more than anybody else. It's like, humble yourself, Peter says, under the mighty hand of God. And God exalts the humble and, and uh, resists the proud. It's Peter that talks about all that stuff. And then it's even Peter that Jesus has a restoration with, you know, like later on in the book of John, after, you know, Peter denies him, Jesus restores him. He says, do you love me? And they have that amazing interaction where Jesus is restoring him back into ministry because Peter's gone back to being a fisherman because he didn't see himself worthy of following Christ anymore. And, you know, Jesus in his grace and in his love and in his in a Jesus-like way, says, come and follow me, you know? And so it's, he, he doesn't say, that's not his first following, but you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like you, you are, like, you are restored in the ministry. I've forgiven you, you know? There's, there's grace for all that. Yeah. There's also, um, moving through into the, the crucifixion, I'm not going to try to, uh, try to pronounce this right. I'm going to let Brett do it. Uh, but Jesus cries in a loud voice on the cross. Um, you want to say it? Is it la me, la me, sabachthani? Yeah, I don't. Like e, my God, Eli, my God. Eli, lama, sabachthani oh, yeah, Eli. or something? Yeah, my God, my God, why have you forsaken why is, me? Why does Jesus say that? Why does he say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is such another profound theological question around, you know, Passion Week, the events of Passion, mm-hmm. Passion Week and... So you you have theologians that uh, like to talk about it. I mean, uh, Jesus was never separated from the Father. I mean, just by his nature, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are not separated. Uh, But a lot of theologians believe it's at that point where Jesus really takes on the sins of the world and that the Father can't look upon his Son. Uh, There's some kind of difference in what's happening in Jesus' sense of the relationship with the Father uh, and it could be at that point that he's really bearing our sins on the There's cross. a lot of parallels between that and Psal- some of the Psalms, too, right? Yeah. Psalm, 20... Psalm 22. Psalm 22. Psalm uh, 2 also, but Psalm 22 in particular. Yeah. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. That's how I, that's how I, I, as all, I have always understood it, too, is kind of the, the weight of the sin of the world, you know, being upon being upon him and because of God's holiness, right? The not being able to, 
you know, um, look upon the sin, right? Because of God's holiness and uh, just knowing that, um, I mean, that's that's still even even having that experience. That's what Jesus did for us. Like Jesus, he suffered in so many ways because of his love for us, um, even to the point of taking on the thing that would even um, bring him to a place of saying something like this to the Father is pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, when he was in the garden um <clears throat> earlier that morning and he sweat drops of blood and he said, mm-hmm. you know, may this cup pass before him uh, pass from me, nevertheless not my will but yours be done. Most commentators say he was dreading that moment of mm. that sense of being forsaken. Abandonment. Yeah, not the suffering itself, but the that moment. Yeah. Uh, which I can't imagine for the eternal son to experience that. Uh, yeah, we'll find out more about it in eternity. Yeah, I mean, he did nothing wrong. He was the innocent one, and yet he experienced that for yeah. us. Let's talk about um, the over the three days. Now, there's there's the the knowledge that Jesus had been dead for three days, and then. Uh, raises from the dead. Where where does Jesus go during those three days? His soul. Where does he go for those three days? Depends on what theory. Uh, did, you should are, I have uh, prepped you a little bit on this one? I know <laughs> I threw this at you guys like twelve minutes ago. Well, there are some passages in uh, Peter, for example, and Second preaching, Peter. Preaching I want to say Second Peter chapter three, uh, somewhere in there. But anyway, where Jesus goes and preaches uh, to those who are uh, the dead and preaches victory to them. Yeah. Um, it's hard to build a real convincing uh, teaching on where did Jesus go during the time that he, you know, died, because we just don't have a ton of scripture. Yeah, I, I just looked it up. Three nineteen. Three now. What does it say in three nineteen? Um, I I need to actually now. So let me pull up. Pull up Second Peter three nineteen. Yeah, Second Peter three nineteen. In which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Yeah, so um, that we're in the days of Noah, right? So we have spirits that are in the fallen angels, fallen angels, or the Nephil, the Nephilim, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the cohabitors with angels in Genesis six. I mean, it's just a it's a difficult thing to piece together with any kind of real conviction. And one of those things we'll we'll understand and learn a lot more later on. Yeah, there's a lot of those things uh and that's one of them. Where did Where the, were you? Where did you go? Where'd your spirit go during that time that you died and what happened um before the resurrection? Now, why what's the significance of 3 days? The significance of 3 days. Well, it fulfills prophecy. Yeah, that's one. That's one. I mean, you know, just as Noah or Noah, Jonah was in the belly oh, of the fish. And who's, and what's Noah doing? Noah was four, 40, <laughs> 40 uh, days and 40 nights, the rain, right? Your, uh, are your headphones yeah. messing up? Uh, are your headphones messing up? Check one, two. Okay, I'm back. He's back. I think I'm back. All right, so anyway, yeah, certainly three days fulfilling prophecy. Um, I, I was thinking of Jewish culture. It was four days that convinced them that someone was dead, like in the case of Lazarus, which we'll talk about on Easter. We'll talk about Lazarus and Jesus being the resurrection and the life. Four days convinced the Jewish people that he's really dead. Um, but, of course, with G- in Jesus' case, he was dead uh, soon after being put on the cross, and uh, Pilate was surprised that he was dead so quickly, mm-hmm. and it was confirmed by the Roman soldier sticking a, you know, a, a Spear. Spear in Jesus' side and water and blood coming out separately. So, anyways, um, 
Oh, that's a good, uh, that's another one of those questions that, why three days and three nights? John, you've done a lot of study. I, you have a master's degree in that. You've got a doctorate probably <laughs> <laughs> that outsources mine there. But I, I mean, I, I would just go straight to the, the fulfillment of prophecy. Yeah. I mean, he said, he said it, that's what he said was going to yeah. happen. Yeah. Let's talk about the resurrection now and the significance of that. Let's first just say, what if Jesus hadn't been resurrected? What would the meaning of that be? What's the... Everything's useless. There is nothing. I mean, it's... And it's, why? Well, for many... Okay, so in 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about, because if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then all our preaching is useless, useless and your faith is useless. So, I mean... If the resurrection is not true, I actually preached this to the high schoolers on uh, Sunday night, and I came up with just a kind of a short list, and I'll share it here. All preaching is useless. So basically what that means is you wasted your time coming to church, coming to youth group, you know, you know, any type of time where you find yourself in church hearing the gospel preached, that would be a waste of your time. You know, basically it would mean all the disciples, all the apostles are liars, that they testified and what they based their life upon, even their death— was a lie. And it means our faith is basically meaningless in that, you know, you're better off worshiping something else because it's basically the same thing. It means we're trapped in our sin still, which is another thing. You know, you're a slave to your sin. Your sin's going to still uh, haunt you. And there's a, a robber of joy in your life. It means there's no meaning to life, which, you know, there's no purpose. You kind of just do whatever you want whatever impulses you, nothing really matters. And then I, I landed on this idea of all hope is gone, mm -hmm. you know, all hope is gone because that's ultimately the hope of new life, um, victory, uh, resurrection for ourselves spiritually and then physically for us is, is all lost. And so if the resurrection hadn't happened, I mean, so many things, but those are, those are some of them that are very clear at the front yeah and he also says that there's no hope of seeing loved ones who have died yeah. again mm -hmm. you know a, a lot of funerals that i've done and um oh, yeah. participated i always want to see the person you know in heaven sure but if there's no resurrection there's no seeing anybody yeah there's no hope of yeah yeah so that yeah that's the thing like you say it's with we're without hope I know we just need to, if, the, if there's no resurrection, then you just eat, you drink and you party and you die because, and you die. That's it. That's yeah. It. Um, I've, I've heard people ask in the past also, like, how do we even prove that Christ was resurrected? Like, what's the, um, what's the proof that we can tell people if they believe, don't believe that that's true, that, that Christ was resurrected? Well, you know, you, you have to look at the New Testament record of it. Uh, Matthew's account and Matthew's gospel. Mark has an account of the resurrection. John does. Mm -hmm. Luke also does. And you'd have to evaluate the, uh, the accounts that are given there at the end of each gospel and ask yourself the question, who's, who's writing this? Are they, are they an eyewitness uh, to the events? And, of course, in the case of the gospel writers, yes, they were present. Uh, they were uh, eyewitnesses, maybe not in the case of Luke directly, but uh, he was a companion of the Apostle Paul who was a witness of the resurrection. So these, the account, uh, the writers of the Gospels describing the resurrection were either there or were very close to, in the case of Luke, those who did witness it. Mm -hmm. And uh, their Gospels were written uh, literally within 
you know, years after the event. I mean, just a short time after, 20 years perhaps after the event. So we're not talking about a, a long time span, a span between the events and the writing about it. And we're not talking about those who weren't eyewitnesses and were just sort of hearsayers. We're talking about those who saw it. So read the gospel accounts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Realize who's writing it. And um, yeah, it's... And it even it even has a wonderful eyewitness flavor to it, uh, John's gospel in particular. I would say Matthew certainly. I mean, it just has that we were there type of feeling to it. I would just add if you go back to First Corinthians fifteen, Paul you know talks about I pass on to you. This is verse three through six. I pass on to you what is most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. Then verse five, he was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than five hundred of his followers at one time, most of who are still alive, though some have died. And so you know, you're one of those 500, you're writing these gospels. I mean, you would have quickly been shot down uh, and these these documents would not have been authenticated and passed down had it been all false, right? mm-hmm. had it been all just made up stuff. And so uh, the eyewitnesses, the 500, the, the, the uh, you know, the 12, I mean, there's, there's lots of evidence for Jesus' bodily resurrection to have yeah and also seen. the spread of the gospel after mm-hmm. the resurrection and ascension i mean the church uh, started to grow uh like crazy so that uh, by 1000 ad the entire world was christian in the roman empire but also you had peter who denied christ uh, tradition has it that he was crucified for Christ after the resurrection. Mm-hmm. The resurrection had its effect on the disciples. Uh, if it wasn't true, if none of it happened, you know, you don't give your life for something that's not mm. true. Mm-hmm. And all the disciples, uh, uh, tradition says, were martyred except for the apostle John. But um, so that's evidence also. Yeah. Now, uh, we've got a lot of different things happening this week. Brett, could you give us um, a little synopsis of what you're going to be talking about? Maybe all, all three, First Wednesday, uh, Good Friday, and then Easter, um, where you're going to go with yeah, your Yeah, so it's such a great week. Uh, First Wednesday, we'll be jumping into John 14 in the upper room, Jesus' statement. Oh, yeah, I'm, you mentioned that earlier. I'm the yeah. way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. And then Good Friday is going to focus on the cross. Uh, I, I, you know... I'm not alone in this, but believe the, the the whole reason that Jesus came was the cross. That's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't to just leave us with moral teaching about how to live our life, uh, those type of things. It, it was primarily the cross, so we'll talk about that. And then, of course, uh, on uh, Easter, we'll talk about the resurrection from John 11. Yeah. So it's going to be... Uh, and we've got another we- thing happening here. We've got the Easter egg hunts. And so I wanted to also point out... Um, we've we've had you know we have santa claus here during christmas time we've got the easter bunny out there with the with the easter eggs mm-hmm. um so wh- why is, is it, that why is that brett and <laughs> and cuz we believe in those guys and and what would be uh what would be the maybe the response to somebody who disagrees with uh with having those yeah, and I Santa understand, Claus, you know, and- I understand. I mean, some people are like, do we really need Santa? I mean, I finally got my kid to understand he doesn't exist. And <laughs> then you guys cause it, she shows up. And uh, so I understand that. But really uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to 
make a bridge to people that don't go to 100%. church and, and have it. a good time with them. That's it. Because they're going to have their egg hunts, right, and all that. So if we have a good time with them, then... Um, and they come in and they hear the message about the resurrection. We're just hoping that to make a connection, you yeah. know, that that's the only thing. Mm-hmm. And it's also a good way to say to your neighbors, your friends, Hey, Spring Hills has 20 plus thousand eggs. They're going to put out. Uh, do you mm-hmm. want to go with us and our family to church? You know, yeah. so that's the only reason. I love that. I, I mean, every time someone asks me about it, cause I get asked about it for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's simply a bridge, man. And I hope that you understand what was said first in the service and the focus on Christ before you came out here to take part in the fellowship and, you know, the and fun, the fun. And the fun. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's great for the kids, you know, they're learning in their, in their classrooms about Jesus and about his love for them and the cross and so it is not all about those things that sometimes it's all made out to yeah. be, and it is it's about Jesus. So it's just a great bridge to commit to our community because we love our community and yeah. we want we want them to come and and uh, have some fun here. Yeah. All right. Well, we do have a lot going on this week. So first Wednesday, seven o'clock is the service. Six thirty, we're going to be hanging out um, with each other prior to the service. So come on down. And then um, Good Friday, we've got two different service times: twelve p.m. and seven p.m. And then on Saturday night, we do our first Easter service at 5 p.m. And then we've got the sunrise service, which uh, rain or shine, we're doing it. And so 7 a.m., we're going to be doing uh, the sunrise service. And then 9 a.m., 11 a.m. And pancakes. And pancakes. Yeah, that's right. The whole entire time. So there's food pretty much. I mean, there's food at first Wednesday. There's food at Easter. We'll feed you. Um, plenty of candy and the eggs, too. So, uh, yeah, so 7 a.m. is the sunrise service on Sunday, and then 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 1 p.m. this year. We've got a 1 p.m. service uh, for Easter as well on Easter Sunday. So, Brett, John, thank you guys. Oh, Brett, do you want to do the outro? Yeah, let me do the outro. Hey, I want to thank Garrett Ellett for being our host today on the Spring Hills Podcast. I want to thank John Knapp for all you do. You're incredible. And, of course, this is Pastor Brett saying we're going to sign off now. Looking forward to seeing you this week. God bless. See you for Easter. Good job. Thank you.